Hello, Scott here. We're going to go through this record here, which is Face Value by Phil Collins. Uh, one of the greatest albums of all time. And we're going to go track by track, and we're going to talk about this record, which came out in 1981. And gosh, it's a great record. Although, what I will say is one of the critiques I have of this record, and it's not a critique, it's just an observation. It's something that sometimes pulls me out of the record, is it has this mixtape feel. But I was reading recently, and this kind of warms me up a bit more to this feeling is that that was intentional by Phil. And so it starts off with In the Air Tonight, which of course is a massive song. In the Air Tonight can't be put in a box. It's not pop. It wasn't really rock. It was who knows what was going on with that. But there's, of course, there's the Motown influence. There's the Beatles influence. There's ballads on this record. There's all sorts of things happening on this record. And then there's that kind of the country tune on the record. And so there's all of these like hodgepodge of genres, which was totally intentional for Phil because this was just a solo mixtape. It was just a, a things that kind of showing what inspired him, you know, the Beatles from when he was a kid and, and Motown music and some of the new stuff like Brian Eno that he was discovering. And so that always, for me as a listener, I think that's what sometimes pulls me out of it. In contrast to like No Jacket Required, where Sue Studio sounds the same, the whole record from Sue Studio Take Me Home, it just has that same feel, production style and everything. Um, there is some coherence and some consistency with this record. That was like, you know, one of the things sometimes I always feel like it has a mixtape. I wonder if Phil, if he had known that this would blow up because at the time, like even Genesis wasn't that big. It was pre-Duke. They didn't even really have a hit single other than Follow You, Follow Me. And I don't think that was a, a massive hit. And so this could have just been a thought. It was going to be just a one-off record for Phil. And the other guys, Mike and Tony, hadn't done their solo projects. They were working on it at the same time. And so there was a thought, maybe, you know, this could have just been his only chance to ever make a solo record. So why not do a bunch of different genres that was important to him? So, okay, let's move on. In the Air Tonight. I mean, this is a great record, by the way. Oh my gosh. I have the, the 2016 version. I have the cassette right here. Oh man, what a beautiful... <laughs> and it obviously set the tone too. You know, he did face value, put his face on the cover, and then he kept doing that for ever, really. I mean, aside from dancing to the light. Okay, so let's talk about In the Air Tonight, because In the Air Tonight is really interesting. What happened was when this record was being made, Phil in, I think it was 1978, moved off to Vancouver to try to save his marriage and to stay with his kids. And the band took a break. And so the band had just released, Genesis had just released and then there were three. They had a little bit of success with the last song, which is Follow You, Follow Me, which is actually bigger today than it was, I think, back then or the success it had back then. Today, it's played all the time on in grocery stores. And in, I love that song. In grocery stores and pharmacies, I absolutely love that song. So they had a little bit of success. So they probably had a little bit of time, a little bit of money to, to just take some time off. So the other guys were working on their solo projects. Phil had a studio at home. He goes to Vancouver in 1978, comes back in 1979. His marriage is lost and he's got this big house and he, and he, he now has some recording gear. They got some free drum machines. Uh, my brother forgot them when he was in Japan on, on their last tour. And so he's got a profit synthesizer. He's got an eight track machine and he starts to work on his solo project. So when the band gets back together in, uh, in I think maybe 79 or so to work on Duke, they are presenting some of their songs. So there's just three of them now. And I think this is my theory. So Phil plays them all their demo, all of his demos and they pick, please don't ask. And then they pick uh misunderstanding. Phil says that he played them in the air tonight. Tony says that he didn't play the band in the air tonight, that they never got to hear that demo. 
because Tony says if he did hear that demo, he would have wanted it for Genesis, which would make sense because it was kind of a weird tune. It's almost like Mama in a way. Where it, it made for a really dark and weird single. It, it, to me, it actually would have it would have been an interesting Genesis song. I don't think it would have fit on Duke, to be honest, but it, it, it would have been interesting. So Tony says that, that Phil never played it. Phil says he did play it. And Mike says he can't recall. To me, that really, they're all, all of their reports are completely useless because uh, Mike doesn't confirm either way and uh, and Tony and Phil contradict each other. So we'll never know. The, the thing is, though, is that it's very easy to hear most of the face value demos. You can download them somewhere, uh, somewhere else uh, on a website. There's demos of almost all of the songs, except I think for I'm Not Moving and Thunder and Lightning. It makes sense to me that he would have played all the songs. And if you listen to here's here's why I think Phil did play the, the demo. If you listen to the In the Air Tonight, the demo, it doesn't have that big drum solo. So it just doesn't feel the same, really. It's kind of like it's in mono. It's just not really that exciting. I could see why you would pass on it. It's kind of like the same three chords over and over, and it's just really not that impressive. Uh, from the demo standpoint, the uh, the song is incredible. Uh, Hugh Padgham did something way bigger with the, with the, um, with the drums and, and with the finished project. And one of the reasons why I think they could pass it over is they just had this radio success with Follow You, Follow Me. And that was a really big deal. And I'm guessing that they were looking for some more pop stuff. And that's why they picked Misunderstanding and Please Don't Ask, because they're love songs and they were kind of poppy-ish. I mean, in a way, I think Please Don't Ask does pretty well on Duke. I think I would have preferred it. We'll get there. We'll get there. I think I would have preferred it at the end of this record. I would have loved to hear instead of the Beatles cover, if, if he had ended with please don't ask just because it was a, a divorce record. And to me, I feel like lyrically it fits in better. I'm not a huge fan of, of tomorrow never knows, but I, I don't know in hindsight, it, it may have worked a little bit better on this. Let's move on. So that in the air tonight, I mean, it's iconic. It's only getting bigger and bigger as, as the years go on, as people discover it, it's a, it's a great track. And I, what I love about in the air tonight is that it stands up. Like it's still, uh, you listen to it now and we are 40 years later and I, it's still a great track. It still stands up really well. This month, must be love. I think that's the track too. This must be love. I think is the honestly one of the, one of Phil's best underrated B sides. I mean, it's not a B side, but it's an album cut. You know, it wasn't a single. Has Alfonso Johnson on bass. It, it's a bass song. It's it's just such a you know it's what Phil does best, which is mid tempo. And I love all of Phil's mid tempo songs. Do you remember every day? Uh, all you know, all of these tunes that are just like they're not ballads, but they're not super upbeat tracks like Sue Studio and Take Me Home is in a, in a way is kind of mid-tempo. Misunderstanding, I missed again, was sort of mid-tempo. I, I, I just, I, I think these, that's where he really um, grooved really well. And and This Must Be Love is one of the best songs that Phil's ever done. And it does, I just don't get, think it gets enough praise. Behind the Lines is, is really interesting too. So this story is that, um, I think it was Mike Rutherford from Genesis who wrote Behind the Lines. When they were working on Duke, and I believe they were working on Duke and Face Value around the same time, they were rewinding or they're playing back the tape in the studio when everything was recorded to tape pre pro tools, obviously. And Phil heard behind the lines, but it was played back at a higher speed. They were maybe we were just kind of cueing ahead to something. And this gave him the idea to do an up-tempo version. I bet you he probably pitched it right then and there, but um, the version of behind the lines that leads into Dutch's on Duke is 
phenomenal. So we don't want to touch that. I love that there's these two versions. Uh, Behind the Lines with Horns is so amazing. I mean, it's got to be, I mean, it's one of my favorite Genesis songs and it's it's easily one of my favorite Phil Collins songs. It, it, it kind of sparks a little bit of what would be done later on in But Seriously with Heat on the Street and Hanging Long Enough and, and uh, Something Happened on the Way to Heaven. But Behind the Lines on this record is, is so great. So great. The Roof is Leaking is like my least favorite song on this record. And it's probably my one of my least favorite songs from Phil Collins. And though, as I become a little bit more sympathetic to the idea of Phil wanting to try all these different styles, and I mean, he was probably into American music, Americana. He, you know, we know that he had a thing for the Alamo. So maybe he was into uh, the Sun Records releases at the time. Maybe he wanted to do something on banjo. I, I just don't think it's a... I don't think it's a great song. It's kind of a little bit theatrical. Like it's, it's almost like a a Broadway number in the sense that it's like a a story being told, you know, it's just never really struck me. And I feel like after behind the lines and this must be love, we're, we're just locked into such a groove and, and (laughs) I hate complaining about it because face value is iconic and the comments are going to light up. But for me, it's just, you know, it may have been that tune as well where Eric Clapton came on and messed up and they had to replace his banjo playing because he was uh, a little out of it. But anyhow, the roof is leaking. If you're a fan, let me know. Now, then we move on to the uh, the end of side A, which is droned that leads into hand in hand. Anytime an artist bleeds or blends one song into the next, I'm a huge fan. And we hear that on You Know What I Mean into Thunder and Lightning. And that's, oh man, that's such a great moment. And and same with Droned into Hand in Hand. Droned is super cool. Again, Phil was into like creating uh, Cinescapes, soundscapes, and 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 um, these interesting things, which he did with Genesis as well. And so for his chance to do something, uh, and this kind of, this sound what we hear in Droned and Hand in Hand carries through his career. We hear it a lot more, a little bit more in But Seriously, and obviously later into Dance into the Light and the Tarzan stuff is some of these these like more world sounds, which we don't really say that anymore. But Hand in Hand is, oh man, that what a great song. And you know where Hand in Hand really shines is live. Opening the, the Serious, um, But Serious tour, the Dance into the Light tour with it. And he played it on the No Ticket Required tour for No Jacket Required uh, later, deeper into the set. It does so well. I mean, just with him on drums, uh, the choir in this, by the way, really interesting. I don't know if you can see this. There's a picture of kids, but from various churches or a church in L.A., uh, the kids um, sang on it. And I remember I was reading the credits today and I, I saw the kids and I was like, yeah, there is a kids choir. Where is that? And it's hand in hand, and it's and it's done so well. Hand in hand is a really really good song, and uh, I you know I'm always a fan of the instrumental. I don't think he did an instrumental after um, but serious, right? Because but serious has um, Saturday night Sunday morning, although not on the original vinyl release. But um, I think after that, and he didn't do one on No Jacket Required either. Occasionally he would do it. When he did it, I loved the instrumentals. I thought they were great, very much like the Genesis instrumentals. I missed again. We're starting on side B. Uh, that's a great tune. I prefer it. When I was a kid, I got it mixed up with Misunderstanding, which is totally fair because it was recorded or written from the same session from the same year, same songwriter and everything. So I, you know, I always got it mixed up, but I like I missed again way more than Misunderstanding. Misunderstanding is good, but I missed again is great. Now, why would Genesis have passed on I missed again for Misunderstanding? Well, the demo for I missed again, you can listen to it on Spotify on the B-Sides record, I think. The demo of I Missed Again is pretty rough. It's like 
he's he, he's just kind of um, improvising lyrics and and most of it's just kind of mumble tracks. It's not, I don't know, it just wasn't there. It didn't have the horns, didn't have the same drum beat. It was just the, the CR-78. So uh, I missed again on this record is phenomenal. You know what I mean is great. I didn't get to see Phil on the, um, on the 2016 uh, solo tour, but I heard that he did a piano version with his son, Nick. His son, Nick played piano and he sang, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's fantastic. And it's not a ballad. It could be a ballad, but it's, it's super short. And it's this kind of like a segue song into thunder and lightning, but man, that's such a strong tune. Again, this record is, here's what I love about face value. This record is packed with underrated Phil Collins songs. I think I'm not moving thunder and lightning. You know what I mean? This must be love hand in hand behind the lines in a way. These are underrated tracks. I mean, they don't, they've never been put on a, on a, you know, a, a compilation. Um, they're, they're barely mentioned uh, ever. And, and very few of them are played live, but I think this record is packed with his best album tracks on other albums. There's some like B sides, what I call B sides, like album tracks uh, that have a little bit more of that nineties filler feel that just weren't, exactly uh the best material but everything on face value is so good even though uh sonically it's a little bit more diverse it, it doesn't have that cohesive sound that we hear on both sides or on no jacket required but the deep tracks are so good thunder and lightning i know i've said like most of these tracks are my favorite thunder and lightning is such a good track i mean it's so good i wonder where that came that must have come out of the studio because i don't think there's a demo floating around of thunder and lightning i i haven't heard it i'm not moving also really good totally underrated just such a that track ironically has so much movement to it a great drum beat and it's actually not alfonso on the bass on that track which is surprising because it's such a it's got such a groove to it and then the second the penultimate track is uh, if leaving me is easy which is a beautiful song and they talk about it on the classic albums uh documentary a little bit just that like sudden orchestra hit is so beautiful even though this song is getting a little bit ballady for my liking it it probably is his best ballad. I mean, uh, if you're a big fan of Against All Odds, my my apologies, but I would take this over one more night. I'd take this over Separate Lives any day, my goodness. Um, but, you know, If Leaving Me Is Easy is, uh, it, lyrically too, it's a beautiful track. And then the final song is uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, which is a Beatles cover. It's covered very similar to the actual track, which he did um, on the next album, uh, with, uh, you can't hurry love later on, he would change his covers up a little bit, like with the Bob Dylan cover and, and can't stop loving you. But, uh, this, this is pretty close to how it's done. I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'll tell you why, because I'm not a Beatles fan. Like I, I'm not of the age. I'm the age. I grew up with Phil Collins. I didn't grow up with the Beatles. Whereas Phil grew up with the Beatles. He was in a hard day's night. He, you know, he, he kind of like was from the same area and, and the same country. And he, he kicked around with some of the same people and he would work with some of them later on. And so, you know, I, I feel like there's probably a little bit of homage for him to, to say, if this is my album to show the influences of my life, he's going to do a Beatles track. That makes total sense for me. I, you know, I would have preferred, um, I don't know, uh, please don't ask. I think would have, would have closed it off a little bit better. I, again, if I'm upsetting people who love tomorrow, never knows on this record, I apologize. It is what it is. There is a bonus song somewhere over the rainbow. And, um, I haven't listened to it on this cassette, but it's on this record. Let's see. Uh, let's see if you can, can you see it there? 
the uh, the last song on the uh, on side B. And there's a demo of it, which is so beautiful. I mean, it is haunting. That's the song I want played at my funeral. If you're watching this and you're planning my funeral, play that song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It is haunting. I don't know. I should have listened to this, but I don't know if the the version on the cassette is the demo version or if they re-recorded a new version. I don't know. Anyway, face value, fantastic record. I mean, come on. Everybody knows that. We'll go through more records uh, in the future, but uh, what a great one to start with. Thanks for watching. Oh, hey, what's your favorite track? And where, where does face value rank on all of Phil's records? Is it his best solo record? A lot of people think so. Uh, but what's your favorite track on face value? Thanks for watching and subscribe.